Football has given us dozens of clever and totally appropriate nicknames down through the years. Captain Blood, Lethal, Hungry, The King, Diesel, immortal monikers, all of them. Then there's Plough, equally descriptive and apt for Terry Wallace. Welcome, Terry. G'day, Mike. How are you going? I'm well, mate. Who christened you Plough? Uh, it takes me back a long time ago, uh, back to the Glenferry Oval days when uh, the ground didn't have a blade of grass on Correct. it, it was just mud, and it was Russell Green, uh, my good teammate uh, from Hawks days, uh, who come across from St Kilda, and uh, I was just doing one Tuesday night, what I sort of used to normally do, and uh, going in after the ball, I think I was... Uh, covered in mud. And That's you. Yeah. He sort of <laughs> yeah. aptly sort of thought that uh, it looked like it was a bit of a potato field and I was the plough. Totally appropriate. I mean, you worked hard, you were resilient, you were persistent, and you just kept pushing forward, didn't you? I mean, I, I, it was always it always fitted. From the day that you coined that, it was, it was totally appropriate. It didn't take too long for the uh, the other boys to, to jump on board, but uh, look, I suppose that was the way of my lot. Uh, we all have things in our armoury that we do well and uh, mine was you know, get after the ball and mm. you know, didn't have all the airs and graces in all the other areas as you would well know but uh, certainly I mean you know you just do what you can do best to, uh, to assist your team. The snapshot of your playing career I mean it's staggering to me in short it's 254 games 17 finals five grand finals and three premierships and there's more Four best and fairest awards at two clubs, three years All-Australian, yet your name doesn't appear in the AFL Hall of Fame. Do you feel slighted? You're entitled to it. No, no, I don't at all. You don't? Uh, no, I, I don't at all. I, I love going to those, uh, those functions. As a coach, you, you used to always get the opportunity of going to that, uh, that function, and it's a magnificent. I think it's the most pure event on the footy calendar. You should be able to tell me more about that. You, you were on the panel, weren't you? Yeah, I voted for you, mate. <laughs> You're always in my list. <laughs> ah, look, it's up for others to uh, to decide that. You don't, you, and you don't take it personally. No, 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 not at all. From an award point of view, uh, over the journey, whether it was the Herald Sun where you worked, I always, uh, you know, felt like I was respected in in all those sort of areas. So uh, sometimes I think that those things are more about the fact that you've moved on clubs yep. and you've bounced from one to another, and so uh, which which is really your home and, and where does that sort of sit? I think sometimes that can have an impact as well. Talking about moving clubs, your last game in brown and gold was a premiership and you left. Vice-captain of the premiership side. Oh, that's, that's staggering to me. Yeah. When you had, when you had four, four years of good football left in you, no, five actually, you, you, you left Hawthorne and went to Richmond, that didn't work out and you end up going to the Bulldogs. Why did you leave, Terry? I left because I wasn't getting on with the senior coach. and Jeansy? Yeah, Alan Jeans and uh, Alan had just coached another premiership, so he was going nowhere, clearly. Um, my 86 year, I, I think of all the years that I played in the game, and now this is a premiership year, was the one that I least enjoyed out of the whole journey. And I think there was pressure on the whole football club throughout that whole year. Obviously, we'd lost 84 and 85, and we're back up around the mark again, so everyone's sort of walking on eggshells at the time. My relationship with Alan had you know, uh, broken down a little bit over a period of time. Why? Um, I don't 100% know. I think it had to do with the two losing grand finals. I had a really poor game in 85. That was certainly out of my five grand finals, uh, my worst performance by far. And 84, we had an opportunity of, of winning a game 
that I still believe that we should have never lost, even though we were beaten soundly in the mm -hmm. end by Bombers. Um, but I think a little bit of what happened in the, uh, the last quarter of that game with clearances from the centre, uh, I think uh, Alan sort of held that, uh, or held me to account well, as one of the senior players. And I've, I've, I've seen things that you've said in print where you, you genuinely believe that. Daisy Williams went into the centre after yeah. Leon Baker was sent forward. Got a couple of early clearances. They were decisive. Eston get the momentum and win the game. Yeah. It was as simple as that, is it? Yeah, I, I think that's one of uh, a number of reasons. Look, I was pretty brash and uh, bombastic. <laughs> it's were funny. you bombastic, were you? Well, it's almost the opposite to what I am as a person. I mean, I'm pretty private and quiet as a person, but out there um, from a footy sense that I've always been, sort of, you know, on the front foot from a, a footy sense. So... Um, I wasn't probably the best listener back mm. in uh, back mm. in those days, and uh, so I would sort of say of all that happened, you know, I would having gone coaching, and Alan Jeans used to always sort of say, "Just let me live long enough to sort of see <laughs> everyone go coaching." And fortunately, he did live uh, long enough to see so many of his boys did go you, coaching. Did you patch it up with Jeansy? Yeah, I had no issue with uh, with Jeansy in the end. I mean, I, you know, we used to go to the coaches' association functions and and see him. Um, a bit over that period of period of time, we were never close. Mm. Um, Alan had sort of said to me when I left that uh, I'd never be welcome back at the Hawthorne Footy Club. You'd never be welcome back. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it was pretty tense between us. But we got to the stage where we were certainly um, on talk, talking terms without any problems whatsoever. How, you know, I know, and I liked Alan Jeans, but but he was very very dogmatic on certain issues. Why, though, would he be prompted to say to someone as celebrated as you, you wouldn't be welcome back at that footy club? Because if I walked out the door, if I decided that I was going to walk and leave the club, that I'd never be welcome, uh, welcome back. And, uh, but it all happened in 24 hours, what happened to me at Hawthorne, uh, uh, leading into the preliminary final of 1986. So I'm talking about the Thursday night when I left the football club in 1986. I was a Hawthorne player going forward. And by lunchtime on the Friday... I decided that I wasn't going to play with Hawthorne the following year. And that's how quickly it happened. I got a phone call from one of the match committee uh, the morning, Friday morning, and told that I might not be in the side on um, the preliminary final. And uh, that was, I think, one of my better years in the game, 86. And so there shouldn't have been, in my opinion, an issue about whether I played or, or whether I didn't play. I didn't have a good semi-final and I was going in preliminary final day to play Scott Clayton, who had had a pretty good record on me as a, uh, as a tagger. And um, I informed um, the message that they better get themselves together and make a decision because I'd quit on the spot if they wow. were going to drop me out of, the, out of the side. And I decided that... Uh, what was happening off the field, in my opinion, was impacting then what was happening on the field and it was time for me to go. So I ran out preliminary final day knowing that it was going to be my last game. Uh, it had nothing to do with finances, nothing to do with anything else, which has been rumoured and innuendo over, over a period of time. Matter of fact, I didn't know where I was going. I ran into uh, a good mate, Wusha Welsh, mm -hmm. um, up at the Wheelers Hill... Hawthorne to Richmond. Up at the Wheelers Hill Hotel after the game, on the Saturday night after the game. We've just beaten Fitzroy. I've had a, a really good game, obviously because of the circumstances that I found myself in. I knew I had to perform and uh, I went up to Welshy um, at the bar that that day and sort of said that uh, I wouldn't be at Hawthorne after the following Saturday. How does it feel with the commitment that you would have wanted from your players and you'd given previously 
to not have your heart and your soul in it? Oh, my heart and soul was in it because if you're going to leave a football club as a vice-captain of the team, do you want to be walking out after three grand final losses in a row? Uh, my performance in the preliminary final, I think, showed how, how much my heart and soul was in it because I desperately wanted to go out in the right way, but it was but time, that was, that was but personal, it was time to go. Yeah. It was but, time to go. But I'm talking about the bond between player and club. Yeah. Well, I never had any problem with anyone, uh, any one of my teammates ever at, at any stage at my time at the, uh, the footy club, whether I was the most loved, whether I wasn't the most loved. I didn't have an issue with anyone uh, at that footy club at any stage. I can remember uh, walking into Dipper uh, when I finally did leave and he sort of, oh, mate, can you just stay for another one? I've only got five years of the journey to go. I just sort of said, I'm cooked. You made two changes. You left Hawthorne and went to Richmond. From the outside, from where I was watching, my vantage point, it was a mistake. Uh, it didn't work out. It didn't work out well the one year at Richmond. But then you made an inspired choice, or things came together to take you to uh, to the Whitnoval and the Bulldogs, where you had a brilliant four years. Yeah, probably the uh, the problem come around that uh, when I left Hawthorne, I thought I was out of contract, and it was the first stages where you actually signed contracts as such. I mean, once upon a time, we just walked in, you know, signed what your allowance mm. was and, and walked back out mm -hmm. the door. And uh, um, what I didn't realise back then, and no-one did, we didn't have managers, you know, there was no legaling of, of anything, um, they had an option clause. that it, The option was their way, Hawthorne, so I wasn't actually out of contract. But the option was that I wasn't allowed to train all pre-season anywhere, only just run the roads by myself, and that I wasn't to be released until round three after Hawthorne. Which is the week after Richmond plays Hawthorne. Correct. So yeah. I turn up at Richmond without a pre-season, without any sort of form of practice match, and walk in to a round three game, underdone, completely underdone. Richmond were out of uh, out of money. It was only about 12 months later the Saviour, the Skins campaign mm -hmm. was on. Um, so it was a mutual. They were stuck to a contract that they couldn't afford. Alan Bond had just arrived at the club at that time and he had signed all the contracts um, as president, but he only lasted there for about three months. So the handshake with Richmond was just they couldn't afford me. Uh, I didn't want to be messed around, which it was going to get ugly. Um, Kev uh, Kevin Bartlett had come in and was... Uh, put in with the mantra of playing kids, yep. which was the right thing to do. So it was really only just a handshake. No bad blood at all with uh, Richmond that time around. It was a handshake just to let me go and, and finish my career somewhere else. At the end of that year, Terry, there was some suggestion that you would struggle to get another club. Now, given your history, that seems really bizarre. Was that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I, I didn't get another club. I mean, uh, I virtually... Uh, went into retirement and I was fortunate enough that the Bicentennial Carnival was on in Adelaide. That, su that summer and so uh, I was representing the VFA because uh, what, <laughs> what it was back then was you were allowed to represent your place of origin so I was allowed to go back and represent the VFA uh, in the second division of that uh, carnival and got the award for the uh, best player in the carnival and that, I think, was my lifeline. Just at the same time, I think two of the Bulldogs' uh, midfielders, Mike, Michael McLean and also Stevie Wallace, went down in virtually the last practice game that they had. So I arrived at the Witten Oval, Western Oval as it was back there, on the Thursday night before round one and straight into the round one side. And won two BNFs there in four years. 
Yeah, well, I played under Mick, uh, yes, Mick Mouldhouse, yeah. who was fantastic for me. Uh, knew and understood that I had a, a couple of things uh, go wrong the 12 months earlier. Wanted to give me every opportunity to, uh, you know, to prove my, my case. And I was desperately keen to have the chance of proving that I could still play at the level. The young Malthouse, tell us about mixed image has been tarnished considerably, excessively probably, in recent years. Tell us about the young Malthouse, the coach. Well, Mick Malthouse was the best coach I played under. And that's a huge statement when I had Alan Jeans, mm. I had David Parkin. For me as a senior player, Mick was sensational. chap by name of Rodney Grinter sat in that chair recently uh, and we revisited the occasion when Melbourne played the Bulldogs at Witten Oval and he dislodged your bottom teeth, wasn't it? Uh, he um, dislodged my top two teeth. Uh, they, were, they were knocked out at the time. Uh, fractured the mandible, which goes across here. Uh, so that piece... I actually thought I'd bitten off my, my tongue because that piece was flat, wow. flat on the tongue. Um, Disintegrated my bottom my bottom lip, so um, yeah, I had a fair bit of surgery that I had to have done. I had to have reconstructive surgery to the face, which meant plates uh, put in. Um, I had about 80 stitches. So I had to have plastic eight oh eight eight zero inside and out. 80 stitches uh, that I had to have uh, plastic surgery to reconstruct my my bottom lip at, at the time, and then probably about two months after that, uh, I started suffering with vertigo. Um, and so I used to have to get stemital injections to uh, to play out the rest of uh, rest of my career. So it had a pretty big impact at the time. It was interesting that he said to me that he was he was offended. I think is not unreasonable to say that subsequently you took legal action after what he assumed was your acceptance of his apology. Yeah, I was disappointed with that, uh, only for the fact that um, I wish somewhere along the line we had had the opportunity to speak or if he had been offended about it, he could have picked up the phone and, and given us a, a call because I think it says more about the industry at the time than what it actually says about me and him uh, from that circumstance because uh, if you see it from my side of things, I've had the reconstructive surgery, the plastic surgery, I had to have every single uh, nerve taken out of all the teeth, um, uh, had to have upper and lower mouth guards specifically made to fit over the bands that I had to wear to continue to, to play footy. Um, so I was, I would say by the time I'd gone through all that, I was about $15,000 out of pocket after, uh, you know, sort of paying off things. I went to the Bulldogs at the time and sort of said, look, have you got insurance to cover it? No. Clubs were broke back then. I actually rang the Melbourne Football Club at the time and sort of said, yeah, your player... Uh, have you guys got coverage to cover it? No. The Melbourne Football Club were the ones who sort of said, if you want any sort of coverage, you've actually got to go to the player himself. And I was actually pleased when I heard Rod speak about it that he sort of said that Melbourne actually helped him they out. They did. Yeah, and, which and, I think and that's he was, good. Yeah, so. and I think that's... And, and I'm guessing to the tune of about, well, the 15 maybe, a, a, a little bit extra? Yeah. 20, 20 grand, yeah. maybe? When you, when you finished with the Bulldogs and a celebrated time it was there... You became assistant coach to Alan Joyce? To Terry Wheeler first. Terry Wheeler yep. first and then Alan Joyce. Yeah. Yep. When you finally get your chance mid-season in, was it 90... 
six. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Would Alan Joyce be entitled to say that you did the wrong thing by him? No, he wouldn't be entitled to say that. I think if he was sitting here and you asked him the question, I think he would probably say that I did the wrong thing by him, but I don't think that we've ever had the opportunity of having that conversation, which I've tried to have on many occasions with him. But, uh, so he doesn't speak to he you? He won't take the call. Your rationale is you would like to explain the circumstances as they uh, unfolded at that time. Absolutely. And he's not interested in hearing them. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I mean, that hasn't been followed up for many, many years now because clearly uh, I knew where he stood on the matter and from the time that he left the football club, I rang him that night and, you know, I've tried to have a couple of conversations with him but that's not going to happen, So, which is unfortunate. I think that would be the only uh, person that I've come across in my football time that I'm not on speaking terms with and certainly I haven't created uh, that, but uh, in his belief I have so and I understand that but look the circumstances were as simple as the year was going bad um, players every Monday night used to uh, go and they had what was called a kangaroo court where they'd go down after training on a Monday night go and just have a, a couple of you know, couple of ales or a couple of squashes depending on which player mm. it was back in the in the day Mike um, and they'd just have chats, give out a few awards to a few of those sort of bits and pieces like a lot of footy clubs do. Um, as the assistant coach, I used to go down there every week to those uh, to those nights just to make sure the boys were all looking after themselves and, and doing the right sort of thing. And on the, that one particular night, I think it was after we played Sydney at the SCG, uh, the boys went down, did what they were regularly normally doing, but the meeting turned to not a kangaroo court. It turned to a meeting about Alan Joyce and the players voted uh, voted no confidence uh, in him, and that's the senior leaders. The senior leaders that night then went to the club and passed on that message to the uh, to the footy club. And so, uh, was I there? Absolutely. Was I there every Monday night? Absolutely. Uh, so hand on heart, Terry. Yeah. Terry Wallace did nothing to undermine Alan Joyce as the senior coach. Well, as a matter of fact, I would say that I would have actually been probably been in a better position with Alan there because I actually uh, didn't have a contract at the time myself so um, I had no knowledge of whether I was going to be put in, whether they were going to bring somebody from outside. Mm. But they had to have someone coach them. Yeah, but I didn't think it was going to be me. 1997-98, I'm sure they're two of the most intriguing, frustrating years of your life. Uh, one of my enduring memories of you is uh, after a preliminary final at the MCG, Adelaide beat you. I watched you, I think, for three or four minutes with your head on your forearms in the coach's box, not moving, and your body language saying, this is the closest I'll ever get or may ever get to a premiership and we've blown it. Yeah, well, you probably looked away because when I finally got up and went to walk down the stairs, I actually buckled at the knees and uh, Gordon Casey, uh, who's my long-time confidant, was alongside of me and actually almost gave me a G up and just sort of said, hey, you're the coach. You've got to uh, deal with what we're going to be dealing with yeah. in the rooms afterwards. I was devastated, completely devastated. I think I'd been in the game long enough to know what it meant and that a lost opportunity doesn't mean that there's another one just mm. you know around the corner and this was a genuine lost opportunity. Did your blokes believe that Libba's kick for goal was in fact a goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No issue at all. And The bloke who I would sort of say 
Some of our, uh, we had a few rascals back in that time, uh, Mike. I would have thought that the bloke that you could probably trust was the guy who was right on the uh, on the goal line and right was on the goal, goal post, yeah. Brad Johnson, and yeah, put the double hands in the air, and uh, yeah, he was absolutely sure. It was the greatest celebrated point of all mm. time for our blokes mm. to be trying to bluff anyone that it actually went through when it, when it didn't. Yeah. Terry, after the pain of the 1997 preliminary final loss, did you turn up at the wake next morning? with the words, we blew it, emblazoned on your forehead? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, where'd you get your message from there? How's <laughs> <laughs> blokes talking? You know, blokes love talking. Yeah, um, I walked into the rooms after the, uh, after the game had finished and tried to get this group of guys to understand the opportunity that we'd missed out on and lost for, uh, for the club. And my last words to them was don't worry about the pats on the back or anything else, you know, bad luck stories, uh, you know, nice try, anything like that. We blew mm. an opportunity. We blew it. Mid-2005, uh, I think, a couple of clubs that you were closely associated with, Richmond and Hawthorne, are looking for a new coach. Got the, have I got the year right? Yeah, that's correct. There's vacancies at both Richmond and Hawthorne. You take the Richmond job. Yep. You were linked for obvious reasons, with the Hawthorne job. Dunster was the power broker there. Yep. Did he give you the impression, or even anything stronger, that if you put your hand up, the job was yours? I believe that if I had strongly put up my hand that uh, I could have coached the footy club. And there's there a lot of rumour and innuendo that I picked Richmond over, Richmond's list over Hawthorne's list, which was a nonsense. There was a few reasons why I just didn't take the uh, the Hawthorne position or go any further with Hawthorne Was, was one of those reasons the way you'd left, you ended your playing career there? Uh, I think one of them, yeah. I thought that you, you go back in. Well, number one, um, Hawthorne's still my home. Uh, even is, though it, I, is it that's just where your spirit lies? Well, of course it is. I mean, they give me my opportunity. I wouldn't be in this game unless it was for the Hawthorne Footy Club. That's where you played your premierships. So, for me, that's it. That's it. I, I've spent 14 years at the Bulldogs. Uh, nine years mm. at Hawthorne and six years at uh, at Richmond. But for me, it doesn't matter about the length of term. It's more about who give you the opportunity, where you had your success. And so that's Hawthorne. Um, so I have no hesitation in, in saying that. But number one, uh, do you go back to somewhere where it was broken at yep. the end, where you've been told that you would never be welcomed back to? Um, is that a good thing to go back? Is it a bad thing? My thoughts were if I go back and it doesn't work early... Are there people behind the scenes, you know, there that might dredge up you know, old relationships yep. and things that uh, happened in the past? So I wondered about that. Do you regret your time at Richmond as coach? Uh, no, I regret that I didn't do a little bit more homework or didn't get a, a bit more basis of where the club was at at the time. Um, I went back to Richmond because it didn't work the first time, and as I said, but are you serious I, about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it, you didn't, it didn't. The playing. Well, side... I was a life member at the Bulldogs, a life member at Hawthorne, the only place that I've ever been into my my life, um, from an AFL point of view, was Richmond, which didn't work. It's sentimental, Terry, isn't it? Uh, maybe so, and maybe that's uh, not a great reason to be making a decision. <laughs> There's a murky period in your life. It's the end of your coaching tenure at uh, Whitnoval with the Bulldogs. And what looked like the start of another coaching journey uh, in Sydney. Now, you left the Bulldogs on bad terms, did you not? Uh, up until the final week, there was no bad blood at all. No, I understand that. Yeah. But the parting, I think... Oh, absolutely. You, you, your time over again, you would have handled that differently? 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, 100%. So the outside version, the version looking in was that you had um, been engaged by the Swans to coach. You had told the Bulldogs with one round to go, I think, that you were leaving and you wanted like a farewell, a fairy tale farewell uh, date. Is that right? Uh, well, part of that is right. I mean, as soon as I decided I was going to leave the football club, uh, I let the Bulldogs know. And I, I thought that that was the right thing to do uh, as soon as I'd made my decision that I was no longer going to be there, that at least it lets them start getting themselves sorted out and organised straight away. That decision was made for one reason and one reason only, and that one reason was at my first uh, meeting with Campbell Rose, who was the CEO at the footy club. My first meeting with him wasn't great, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Meaning that he wasn't enamoured of the idea of you continuing to coach? Yeah, so basically I'm in a position where I have one year of a contract to go. We're talking about we're one week out or we were two games out from the end of the season. It was a Friday afternoon, which is probably not the best time to get a senior coach mm. the day before a game at the best of times, but we had a what was ended up being about a four-hour meeting on the Friday afternoon, of which uh, Campbell said to me that if he had his choice, I wouldn't be coach from that point in time onwards, and I'd finish the following week. But the board had told him that they would honour my last year of contract and that he was just letting me know that I wouldn't be coaching the club in 12 months' time if we didn't play finals the next year. And we had just realigned the footy team with all the 18-year-olds that ended up taking them on to the Rodney Eid era, you know, which was Murphy and Jean Syracuse and Gilby and uh, Brian Lake and Boyd, and we had all these 18-year-olds playing and we weren't going to play finals the next year. So I walked out of that meeting, got straight on the phone to Craig Kelly and said, get me out of here as quickly as okay. what you possibly can. I'd had 14 years at that club. I was a life member at the club and to have somebody who'd been there a week come in and sort of say, yeah. it's over... Uh, then I was in the mode I was going to look after myself. So you were going to go? I was going to look after myself and my family. Sydney on the radar at that point? There were opportunities out there. Unfortunately, the biggest thing that hurt me, Mike, through all this was that on leaving the Western Bulldogs, I had legal uh, situations put in front of me which I had to sign off on to say that I wasn't allowed to speak publicly about anything to do with anything around my leaving of the Bulldogs and unfortunately that still remains today and I think personally it, it hurt uh, me. You? Oh, my footy reputation yeah. in the industry because there was so many much rumour and innuendo, there was so much speculation and talk. Well, the conventional wisdom, and you know what that is, is that yeah. you left the Bulldogs because you had an agreement in place with the Swans to coach them. And then people power prevailed, the Swans went with Rusey, you didn't have a job. Is that... Is that um... Well, that's the conventional conversations that I've heard forever. I left because I thought I'd be coaching. There's no doubt whatsoever that that's the, uh, the case. Um, when I lost that opportunity, I didn't want that to be my last opportunity in the game. And that's why I went back when I coached Richmond, because of the fact that I felt that I should go back into the system. And uh, I'm sure that I got belted harder when the end came again, yep. because of the fact of what had happened that first time around, you know, copping your right whack and I've got no issue with that. In this, I don't know, again, the Western Bulldogs, once I made my decision, they were going to, they were going to knife me in 12 months' time. Mm -hmm. And there's been a history of coaches jumping before they've been pushed. 
a history of it over a period of time. I don't have any issue with that because this is my employment. This is what puts you know, the bread and butter on the table for you know, and my family. So I went in, and it's the only time I've made a decision the whole journey, whether that's leaving Hawthorne, whether that's anywhere along the line, the only decision I've made which was trying to base itself on finance was I needed to get myself secured into a position and I thought I could get myself secured into a position better by leaving the Bulldogs than by staying at the Bulldogs. It's been an enthralling journey, mate. There's no question about that. Brilliant playing career, coaching career that might have been a bit better than it was, but uh, now in your role in commentary, you've just made a major contribution to the game that you're entitled to be very proud of. Thank uh, highs, highs and lows. I've loved every minute of it. Thanks, Plough. Cheers. This has been a Fox Footy production. Part of the Fox Sports Network.